episode 61 of the In Squash podcast. And today we're delighted uh, to have uh, Tom Richards on the podcast, 32 years old and coming off uh, one of his better uh, seasons uh, to date, uh, 2018, where he uh, he had a, cu- a couple of wins, including uh, the Irish Open and uh, some very good results uh, in other big events, including wins over uh, the likes of Joel Macon, uh, Borja Gulen, Omar Massad, amongst others. Um, on the podcast, we talk quite a bit uh, about his earlier days and the influences he had coming up. Uh, his uh, coach, uh, Stephen Meads, who he's been with for a while, we talk about their relationship, and uh, now on board with the team, uh, Jesse Engelbrick, who he's known for several years, and uh, we talk about what he's brought to the table. Uh, Jesse, uh, having been on the, the podcast recently, we all uh, know how uh, how enthusiastic and passionate he is as a coach, and uh, he gives us a little more insight about uh, his relationship with, uh, with Jesse and uh, how things are going to shape up for him going forward. And uh, I asked him a little bit about golf, um, and, uh, and we talk a bit about that as well, a little, uh, some stuff about training and, uh, and other things I know you're going to enjoy. So uh, enjoy this. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be the last podcast for 2019, but it very well could be. Uh, we might be able to slip in one more before the end of the year. Now, um, I hope you, uh, for those of you who celebrate Christmas, uh, uh, my family, we do. And uh, my daughter just arrived from Canada, having just finished uh, her first uh, semester of university there. She arrived here in the UAE uh, earlier this week, and uh, we've you know, been catching up a bit and uh, took the girls uh, uh, Christmas shopping at Dubai Mall. Um, that was, uh, wow, I've never seen that many people uh, shopping in one place in my life. It was uh, it was it was festive, I guess you could say that. It was really enjoyable. Got most of my Christmas shopping done, and um, looking forward to uh, celebrating with the family. And, uh, and I hope you guys uh, enjoy uh, your holiday season, wh- uh, whether or not you uh, celebrate Christmas. Uh, enjoy the time, whether it's in colder climate or in the uh, the desert climate that I'm in. It's wonderful over here. So, uh, if you haven't, uh, if you're thinking of traveling during the uh, the holidays. Uh, UAE is a great place to be. The weather's perfect. Uh, and bring your squash kit. Um, uh, wouldn't mind having a, a game uh, or two over the holidays with any of the, the listeners. But um, at any rate, uh, let's, uh, let's enjoy this episode 61 with Tom Richards. Well, welcome to uh, episode 61 of uh, the In Squash podcast, and we're delighted to have on. I've, uh, I reached out to him a few uh, months back, and he, he's here today. Uh, world former world number 12 and currently world uh, number 22. Uh, he's been part of England's uh, elite squash uh, setup since uh, a young age uh, as a junior. Uh, currently, um, uh, yet, like I said, ranked number 22 in the world and recently w- a winner of the Irish uh, Open. Uh, Tom Richards is my guest. Tom, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Jerry. Pleasure to be here, finally. I know it's, uh, yeah, we sort of been talking about doing it for a little while. So, so yeah, it's great to finally catch up. Absolutely. Uh, now, 2018 has been a pretty good year for you. I mean, you've, you've had some good wins over uh, guys like Omar Massad, Borja Golan, uh, Joel Macon, uh, Ryan Cuskley, uh, just to name a few. And you won the Irish Open. Um, but now you're in the holiday season, I presume, uh, uh, and you've got the TOC coming up. So uh, what do the next uh, few weeks uh, have for you before your first round uh, match against Ben Coleman? 
How are you going yeah, to keep well, the pudding off? That's my question. Oh, no, well, that's, that's the first challenge for sure. <laughs> um, we've got a fairly sweet tooth as well. So that's, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a constant battle. But um, no, I, I, I'm actually playing um, in India the week before TOC as well. So okay. um, I don't have quite as an extended period, although we finished in Cairo um, fairly early. So I managed to, to have a week off after Cairo. Um, so I've sort of got myself back into training now. Um, and it's really, it's really, I mean, especially at uh, the age I am now, 32, it's kind of about keeping fresh, keeping mentally fresh. And, uh, you know, I, I've never been one that's found the physical side of uh, training particularly um, not difficult, but I, I, I don't mind doing it. So I quite, in some ways or a lot of ways, I quite enjoy doing it. So that's never a sort of a problem for me. It's more about kind of keeping fresh mentally in terms of squash and, um, yeah, I guess just over the next sort of couple of weeks, two two and a half weeks, I'll just I'll, I'll be hitting a fair bit, but I'll be sort of uh, not trying to uh, or trying not to overdo it, which kind of was a bit of a problem in the past for me. So that's yeah, that's my main sort of aim. Right on. Yeah, you um, are you are there still uh, PSL matches uh, ongoing, or is that uh, uh, over with for the the year? Yeah, no, that's that's all that's all done for the year. I. I don't have any leagues or any kind of competitive squash at all so which is which is actually really nice it was quite a busy period from um starting late august and it's, it feels like it's been sort of on non-stop lots of traveling lots of playing which is obviously what you want but it's nice to kind of just have a few weeks where you're not kind of worrying about um playing competitively or, or kind of keeping yourself in in like the competitive frame of mind it's nice to just completely unwind Oh, for sure there. And uh, you, uh, you're, you said you're in Cairo. So I guess that that, that was the, the black ball open. Uh, yes. Yeah, right, yeah. That, that event seemed to be uh, seemed to go off really well. Uh, what was your what were your impressions uh, of that that event? The, the first one? Uh, uh, I guess it's a new event. So how did you feel uh, in Cairo with the event? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, um as you said, it's the first time they put the event on. First, first time. I think the the centre's only been open a couple of years, um, and it's a really. I was very, very impressed with the centre. I mean, lots of courts, a, a really um, sort of striking, imposing glass court with really steep seating, which I, I really yeah. like. It sort of reminded me of the old. Yeah, it was well, a beautiful, in, in beautiful court. Beautiful court, wasn't yeah, it? it? Yeah, exactly. It's really. I mean, it's fun to play on when you've got got sort of the crowd in as well, because it's um, it's almost like they're, they're sort of overlooking you which is which you don't get that often especially with the um the sort of non-permanent glass court so yeah it was it was it was very impressive and as you said it was the first um first time they put the event on but i think they i mean i'm not sure whether the organizers have been involved in other events in egypt but they they're pretty well kind of um there's been plenty of events in egypt so i think they know reasonably well how to put on an event and it, it was um by and large, very smooth, or as, as smooth as you could hope for for a kind of a first major event, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like, uh, yeah, it looked like it was really well done, and then it, it couldn't have been a, a better, uh, uh, although if you were in the final, it would have been better, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it for sure. couldn't have been a better uh, final in the, in terms of having uh, Kareem, uh, uh, the way he played. I mean, I was just, I, I meant, I think it was on Twitter, that uh, after having watched him play, I was, I was eager to get out the door and, and play myself. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Although it's very hard to replicate the way he plays, especially when he's 
I mean, the way he was playing during that whole event, he actually always really does well in Egypt. So I think he's, he's obviously enjoys being at home, but the way he was playing was, was really unbelievable. I mean, to beat, to beat Mohamed three love, not many people do that. I don't think, well, no. I probably count one hand people who've done that. And to, yeah, he's, he's, there's, when he's playing like that, it really is, he really makes squash look easy and it's really not. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to look back a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, uh, Tom, uh, take a look back a bit at your junior career, which was uh, a very good one. Uh, back, in the, back in the early days, looking back, who were some of the, um, the sort of influences on your game at the time in terms of you know, who may have uh, coached you in the early years and, and got you to a place where you said, okay, I'm going to make a go of it as, as a professional? Yeah, well, I, I was coached from a very young age by Danny Lee, um, who okay. is the and still is the pro at St George's Hill. Um, so, I think I, I mean, I started playing squash when I was four years old because my brother, who's eight years older, and my sister, who's seven years older, they kind of went down to the, the local squash club to start playing, and I sort of tagged along, um, and then um, really just never stopped playing. Really, after that, I mean, I played. I played loads of loads of different sports. I, I never sort of specialised in squash um, at all. I played a lot, obviously, but um, yeah, I guess just being in the club environment, getting coached by Danny, um, and then there was just loads and loads of players around in in and around London at that stage. Lots of lots of good players. Sorry, um, uh, Thomas. Danny Danny's involved with the Channel Vass event. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, he's okay. he's the sort of promoter of that or organizer of that tournament um, because it takes place at St George's Hill and and Danny's um, he's been pro there now for I think pretty much as long as I've been alive, so thirty two years something like that. So yeah. So so St George's Hill must be uh, must be your uh, black ball event to Kareem's uh, event. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm I mean, not sure I, if I worded I live... that properly, but yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I live, I live 10 minutes away and it's, um, it's, I've played at St. George's since I was yeah, four years old. It's changed a lot over the years for sure. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really not, I mean, I remember driving in to play my match, just thinking well, it's nice to kind of be driving in a 10 minute drive rather than getting on a plane for 12 hours and then just having a few days beforehand sort of preparing and stuff, you know, it's, it's nice to just be on, have it on your doorstep and have, kind of everyone, all your friends and family around. So, yeah, it, was, it definitely made a big difference, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Dan, Danny obviously had, had a, a major impact on your career and got you uh, going in the right direction. Was there anyone else uh, after that? I guess uh, you must have been influenced a little bit uh, by the English uh, uh, Squash England uh, uh, coaches that, that were available. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I never got sort of one-to-one coaching in the early days with with any of them but I was always sort of on the national squads and things like that and uh, to be honest in those in those sort of early days it was probably more the the players around me that influenced me more so Mm. um, somebody who had a big big impact on my career in terms of player was Pete Barker because he was a few years older than me but he he really, especially when I t- first turned professional, he was he was really good with me, and he'd always he would train with me, he would play me, he would always kind of rough me up as as he's very good at doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, oh, is he? But yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> okay. But he's he's very like, like um, a big like a like a big brother sort of. Yeah. Well, he, exactly. He kind of I guess he showed me the way in in 
there's there's probably better ways of putting it but he he showed me how how um hard you have to train and how how disciplined and how kind of professional you have to be yeah i've heard um, crazy stories about uh, barker and his training yeah he was he trained extremely hard and he but he took great pride in that and he mm. a bit i guess a bit like me he enjoyed that that challenge of really pushing yourself which i mean to be honest most most squash players do at the high level they enjoy that physical side because it's obviously a very physical game so it's um yeah he he really yeah, some of the stuff he did was was pretty sickening, but yeah, I guess he's, that's why he was as good as he was for for as long as he was. You know, yeah. he's sort of uh, yeah. But I mean, he yeah, he definitely had a big impact, and all all the um, all the sort of I was I was kind of lucky that when I first went into the senior squads, you had people like Lee Beachall, Pete Nichol, Nick Matthew, James Wallstrop, all these guys, fantastic players, and it was kind of it was well, it was very daunting at first, but equally it sort of showed you what the level required was and still is I guess but but yeah they they certainly had a huge impact is it tough uh, I mean come I mean where you were you know being 32 and looking up to those those great players like like you mentioned James Peter um and Peter um looking up to them and and being where you were is it was it tough to get your head around sort of these are the guys I've got to beat and I've got to sort of do what I have to do to to get up to where they are or do you know what I mean yeah yeah absolutely yeah it was it was, it was instead, instead of looking that. up to them to try to get put yourself in a place where you're going to be competing against them because it seems to me like you're I don't know maybe I'm wrong but it just seems to me like you're, you're starting to to play really good squash right now uh, yeah yeah and I always I kind of I guess with with the people like Lee Beachall, Peter Nichol, they were they were always unattainable because I was at an age where I wasn't going to be beating them. They were kind of very um, obviously one and two in the world or whatever, and they they would probably retire and did retire before I was getting anywhere near that sort of level where I could compete with them. But um, guys like Pete and and James, they again they obviously always top 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 players. Um, but in the back of my mind, I was sort of hoping that I would get to the, the stage where I could compete with them. And perhaps now, as you said, now I've got to, got to an age of maybe a maturity level where I probably am competing with guys of that level um, and trying to beat guys of that level. But maybe when I was sort of earlier 20s, mid 20s, I wasn't quite at that level required to, to beat them. But then on the flip side, having that sort of... Um, the the carrot as it were to sort of try and so, something to try and attain meant that I was always pushing myself and always kind of knew that 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 was the level required and I could see it day in day out so that's perhaps helped me as well helped me get to to the level I I kind of got to yeah you um you mentioned in an interview a while back that uh, I think it was the the Montreal Open was at at the time of that interview I think it was 2015 uh, was a highlight or maybe the break a breakthrough tournament for you and uh, in the in that event you beat Peter Nickel uh, in the final take us back uh, to that event I guess it was a few years back but uh, why was it uh, in your mind at at the time such a breakthrough event for you obviously beating a uh, Thierry but uh, there must have been something else there uh, as well. Yeah, I, I guess it was, well, it was the biggest event I'd won. Um, and so I think, st well, yeah, still is the biggest event I've won. Um, 
but just just beating a backing up the matches, but just beating Thierry in the final, who is a legend of the game and and yeah. um, was still playing at a very high level. It kind of proved to me that I could compete with these guys at the top level in important matches because I guess it's one thing I mean it's always extremely difficult beating players like that but it's one thing beating them when perhaps it's I don't know a first round or maybe you you get them on an off day early early on but in a final there's kind of an added edge where you know you know that they are kind of fully focused not that they wouldn't be all the time anyway but you, you sort of know in a final, it's going to be, um, if you beat them, you've beaten them on merit. So it was kind of, I don't know, it sort of proved to me that I, I could compete with these, these real top players. And it sort of gave me confidence at that stage to do so. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you enjoy playing in Canada? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love, yeah. I love yeah, Canada. I mean, I'm Canadian. Canadian. So, uh, yeah, I guess I, I, could, I could tell. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah, it's always it's always great. I mean, everyone's friendly. Everyone looks after you, and it's I guess the the big the big thing is the sense of humour is quite similar as well. So it's, yeah, you sure. kind of feel quite relaxed over there. Um, yeah, I think yeah, you've played. Uh, I'm from Halifax, so I think you've played in the yeah. Blue Nose uh, when they used to have it. That 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 was a nice little uh, cozy uh, event, wasn't it? Brilliant event. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's a shame it's not on, but I, I, the amount of effort that Zhao used to go through to, to put the tournament yeah. on, you can understand why it's not on anymore because he really, really had to sort of pull everyone together. But it was yeah, a fantastic event and everyone sort of, as I just alluded to, everyone's so friendly at the event and everyone, yeah, it was, kind of, it was, it was one that players really look forward to going to for sure. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, well, several uh, big names have won that event. Uh, I think Palmer, uh, your, uh, yeah. your friend uh, Peter Barker has won it. Um, yeah. Yeah, several big names have, uh, have won that event. Uh, how did you uh, enjoy, enjoy it? It was in the winter, right? Uh, winter yeah. Month. Yeah, so yeah pretty chilly. Old, uh, compared to, uh, to England, even. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's a bit of a shame of the schedule that we always tend to go to North America in um, when it's really, really cold. So uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's pretty cold. But to be honest, the, the courts are. I mean, you can like the courts are probably warmer than anywhere else in the world. You go oh, yeah. something that people always say. You like you go to Qatar and the courts are freezing, and you go to <laughs> exactly, Canada and yeah. the courts are boiling. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess part of the benefit of being an indoor sport, but also it would be would be nice to sort of go maybe perhaps more in the sort of summer springtime but yeah, I you guess could probably you get some good golf in too yeah absolutely that's I, mean, all, that I, played, right. I played with all over the summer played golf with him all over the summer oh really oh nice yeah. how did it go oh it went well well i've got i've got a golf question for for you later so uh, uh we'll, yeah, okay. we'll keep that we'll keep that uh, uh for later but yeah uh, you'd <laughs> yeah. love Zal's a a great guy like you said and he they had a great yeah. Assembled there, uh, Matt Bishop and uh, Neil Harvey, and um, uh, you know all the all the billets. Uh, just seemed like everyone yeah. I've spoken to really enjoyed that event, and uh, I'm not sure uh, if they'll ever get it back up and running, but uh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be awesome if they could for sure. Yeah. Now um, you have, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I noticed that Stephen Meads has been in your corner for several uh, several years. I, I take it. And um, I guess as Jan Khan uh, famously uh, stated, who is Meads? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that story a few times, for sure. <laughs> uh, in terms of, uh, uh, his, uh, of him as a coach 
and its influence on, on your your pro career. I think uh, I think a lot of people probably know the name, and and he was obviously a, a very very strong player in his own right. But uh, as in terms of your coach and his influence on your career, um, can you give us a little bit of uh, background on on Stephen? Yeah. So he um, again a bit like Pete when I first turned professional Steve was kind of um, coming towards the end of his career he was still playing really high level squash so he again he used to play me all the time and uh, rough me up a bit he was quite a sort of uh, no-nonsense player Um, (laughs) but he really he was really good to me as well he he would kind of um, play me whenever I sort of got in touch with him and then when he moved into coaching he we sort of just carried on really and then we would still play for a few years and then sort of um, it evolved into now when I go on court with him it tends to be more pressure sessions um, and he sort of looks after that I guess that side of things for me but he's been a real constant throughout my career so yeah I guess since I've turned professional at 18 I've never I've always got on court with him and I probably now get on court with him more than I ever have done maybe two or three times a week but um Yeah, so he, but he's, he based yeah. out of uh, the same area that St. George's uh, area. Yeah, well, he, yeah. he does a little bit of sort of um, coaching at St. George's, but he lives around half an hour away. So I quite often will go there um, or, yeah. So I actually just trained with him this morning at St. George's. So, uh, okay. yeah. yeah, he's he's kind of been a, been a massive influence for sure. He's kind of, I guess, been a constant whilst I've been seeing other coaches kind of alongside him and, and sort of, uh, yeah, I guess he's somebody that I know that I can um, rely on completely. So that's, that's always, it's always nice to have that sort of guy in your corner, I guess. Yeah, I guess, I guess he knows your game probably as well as anyone. Yeah, for sure. And he's, and he's brilliant because he, if you've seen him play, he was perhaps more of a kind of a very dogged, Oh, slightly yeah. attrition, attritional style player, but he he's recognised that I'm kind of a bit more um, positive. So he he really works hard on that sort of me trying to finish rallies, and he's he's again evolved with as the game's evolved because the game is much more attacking and sort of um, very uh, short sharp rallies and, and stuff like that. So he's he's kind of evolved the sessions to kind of reflect that as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's he's obviously been a, a huge influence on my career for sure yeah i bumped into uh, I, he won't remember this but i bumped into him in uh, singapore it would have been around 1997 uh singapore open i, I was going through the, the i tried to qualify for that for that one and uh, he got, yeah. i think he lost to uh, paul price in the final right okay 97 yeah. great squash yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, but uh, uh, now you have uh, Jesse uh, Engelbrick. Uh, he's in your in your corner as well. He was on my podcast uh, recently, and the guy the guy's brilliant. I mean, it, uh, as soon as I said uh, welcome to the the podcast, and then it just boom, he was shot out of the cannon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so what what is Jesse? Uh, I mean, obviously he knows the squash, and he has some really uh, interesting ideas. And, and uh, I'm just wondering what what has he brought to the table? for you because obviously it's not a coincidence uh uh you're playing some of your uh, maybe even your best squash now yeah i mean i as you say i've i've um well i've known jesse for a long time i remember playing him as a 14 year old and he's okay. some somebody who's um i've always seen as a coach who sort of thinks outside the box to coin a bit of a cliche but he's he's always thinking he's always um 
trying to better himself as a coach, but also watching lots of squash. And, and I kind of, at the start of um, the summer, yeah, I guess it would have been this summer, I um, approached him and I just, I had some ideas that I wanted to work on or wanted to improve. And I, I sort of felt like Jesse was a good man to, to do that because he's very progressive and, and I like the way he kind of looks at the game. So hmm. yeah, I, I sort of, I guess, I mean, I, I in, earlier in my career, I did a lot of work with Peter Geneva and I guess in, in many ways he's quite similar to PG because he, um, he, doesn't just he's always looking at ways of kind of letting the player figure figure things out for themselves which I I quite like I don't like it when coaches necessarily tell you exactly what to do when to do it and and that sort of um, very closed way of looking things I like his open kind of openness to new ideas and yeah I guess that's why perhaps it's been quite a good relationship it's worked well what uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that he he likes to think outside the box, and that really came through. Uh, it came out on the on the podcast episode that he did with uh, with Gary uh, Nesbeth. Um, a lot of stuff in there about footwork and, and ghosting routines and stuff that I, I thought was quite uh, they, they were quite interesting. What well, what are some yeah. of the maybe more outside the box kind of uh, things that he that you've seen him implement in your game, or just seen him implement uh, uh, in general? Um, well, I guess, um, well, so, so when I, when I sort of approached him, my, my thinking or my hope was that I wanted to, I felt like the game is, is getting more and more attacking, more and more sort of explosive. And I sort of said to him, I, I would like to basically work on sort of attacking whilst under pressure. Um, so mm, yeah. Jesse then went away and sort of I guess looked at lots of squash and had his own ideas and then we just do a lot of he's devised a lot of kind of almost pressure sessions where um, you're sort of placed in situations where you are under pressure and it's it's kind of I guess it's not something you would necessarily it's not like a drop drive it's not a brose drive it's kind of a little bit different and he'll I don't know, for example, we'll do sessions where he might just hit the ball at me. So I've got to move my feet. I've got to use <laughs> yeah. my hands, you know, stuff, stuff well, like that. that. Yeah, stuff I remember like that. that. He, he mentioned on the podcast that he was like actually hitting the ball directly at, at his uh, students and getting them to, yeah. you know, just try to think quickly. Because that's something that's really, uh, it's actually part of the, the game now, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, people, especially at the front of the court, they rarely hit a kind of a ball either kind of a conventional shot they they hit down the middle a lot they hit a lot of um yeah funny angles and stuff and it's it's very much if you're just sort of in the process of very patterned straight and cross court then if somebody does that to you it can be quite uh unnerving so yeah <laughs> i guess um yeah it's it's a huge part of the game for sure now yeah i guess the straight and cross court stuff i mean uh we've People have been playing the game for so long, watching the game for so long. It becomes uh, quite predictable, and you know, once you're, you know, predictable, then bad things can happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and all the, especially the top guys, they're so adept at kind of taking you in well, and then sort of hunting that next ball. That if you do just hit a kind of conventional shot most of the time. I mean, I'm just thinking now of of Rosner as a good example. He kind <laughs> yeah. of he he'll just batter you because he'll just volley the next one easily it's almost like he knows where you're gonna hit it before well, you hit yeah, it. So, he uh, stretches <laughs> you into the front court and then you you have no well unless unless you're doing something different in your training you have no option but cross court he's right there boom yeah. 
exactly <laughs> so you have to you have to find ways of uh, not letting him do that that's that's the key <laughs> yeah yeah well uh clearly i mean you're you're making inroads there so that that's great to see uh was it was it a lot of work over the summer as well tom because uh, i mean you came out of the get out of the traps pretty well to start the campaign of 2018 yeah yeah i did i did lots of work i mean i guess um it's it's a funny one because people always when people do well people say oh well, you must have worked hard over the summer and absolutely i worked harder so over the summer but i i've been working hard over the summer for the last 10 years so maybe it's <laughs> yeah. um maybe, maybe it's working kind of, smarter exactly working smarter and and sort of i think just as i sort of alluded to earlier earlier on i it's a bit of maturity i think i know my game a lot better now i know um i know how to sort of get myself in the right shape um people always say this but it's it's kind of i definitely feel fitter and stronger than i ever have done um and that's a big for me definitely sort of being injury free and feeling like i can move well sort of then if that's sort of uh correct then everything else falls into place so i guess yeah just just having a summer where i was able to train properly is is a huge thing yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, um, I just wanted to ask you this question because you, you mentioned, uh, obviously, uh, Peter Nickel being, uh, first of all, you're, you're a fan of his game and may, maybe he's uh, someone you really looked up to. And also uh, his rivalry rivalry with uh, with JP, uh, Jonathan Power. Yeah. I'm a huge uh, Jonathan Power uh, fan. I played him as a junior when he was much younger than me, but uh, way, way back. And I know him a little bit. And uh, that rivalry, like you said, was unlike anything uh, really up. I, I guess there were several rivalries uh, back in the day, but uh, this was the most uh, contemporary one. It was, it was fantastic. They were great years. Yeah. What about, what, first of all, what was it about Peter's game? I mean, we all know what a great game he has and what, a, what sort of character he brought to the game, which we all uh, admired. Uh, but what did you admire in particular uh, beyond that about uh, Peter's game? Um, well, as you say, there's there's so much to admire. He, I guess, just the way he, um, it was such a simple, it looked so simple. And yet that's often the hardest sort of way to play in any sport. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he's, I mean, he's obviously extremely professional. I love this never say die attitude. That's something that's kind of, I think all a lot of squash players have, but he had it in spades. Um, yeah. And I guess just when I was younger, I I probably was sort of had an equal foot in both camps with JP and when Pete Nickel in terms of I loved loved watching both of them play. Yeah. But then as I as I got older, I sort of got to spend. I mean, I was lucky enough to get a bit of coaching off Pete Nickel when I sort of first oh, awesome. became mm. professional as well. So mm. I got to know the man a little bit more and he's just such a, such a good guy and he had time for everyone. And, you know, he, so I sort of, I just, I just realized that, yeah, he's, he kind of had the, the whole package, so to speak, you know, he was um, extremely good player, but a lovely guy off court as well. So that sort of made it even more kind of, uh, made him even more inspirational to me. And uh, I mean, I look at your game, uh, I've seen you play, play several times and you, you, you play, you're, you're a bit of a shot maker yourself. So you, you've got a little bit of JP uh, uh, there in, in, in your game. What are, what are your thoughts about, about the rivalry per se? Uh, I guess, uh, I mean, it was such an incredible rivalry, so many great matches and very sort of uh, uh, unpredictable in terms of who, 
on the day who was going to show up and, and who was going to, uh, to win. I think the, at the, when they, when all was said and done, it was pretty much, uh, 50, 50, wasn't it? In terms of, yeah. You know, I, just I one right, yeah. 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 yeah well, I, mean, I guess yeah. just the, just, just the, the different styles and this lended itself to kind of an exciting game to watch. I mean, you had kind of Pete who was very much, he wouldn't say much to the ref. He would kind of get on with his job and, and, that side of things and then you had power who who would sort of completely the opposite but <laughs> he was so so witty and so quick that it was it wasn't in a kind of some players you watch you moan at the refs and it's like shut up get on with it but he he was so clever with it that it was always yeah. exciting to watch so I think I think yeah just just the fact they're so different you lefty and righty um yes. they were a level above for for a few years at least they, yeah, they yeah. were kind of the, the top two weren't they so they yeah just I don't know I can remember loads of matches where it's just really exciting to watch and you, you kind of had the flair didn't you of power and then it was kind of interesting to try and see how Pete would try and negate that and so yeah so many different facets which which made it exciting to watch I, but yeah it was either power was on or or, or Peter was on and, and you could almost yeah. tell from the beginning couldn't you from those matches yeah it was quite yeah. interesting it was, yeah, very interesting, and it's and it was quite. I guess it was probably more power who was sort of dictating that in that respect, because because mm. Pete tended to be quite sort of consistent. Yeah, he, he just that showed up. His, he was always, yeah. He was always there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He was never going anywhere, was he? He was always there. So uh, yeah, yeah. You meant um, you mentioned. I think you really enjoy uh, enjoyed Hong Kong, and I, I was there in '97 to watch. Uh, the Hong Kong it was uh, and I remember this one match in particular it was Jonathan playing uh, Simon Park and uh, I don't know if you were there for the match or not but um, it was in in the fourth game right around the end of the fourth game and this was when power was I don't know very young so he became you know the whole shtick became a shtick later on (laughs) with the the referees but I think back then it was more sort of raw even though he'd been doing it for years but uh, he just went ballistic on the referee for good reason. Like a couple of lets that were that should have been no lets, and it was just you don't see that anymore, do you? No, no. I mean, I think yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I I don't think you get away with it now. The, no. the way he sort of speaks to the refs is we get clamped down on a lot more, which is which is a good thing, I guess. But yeah. um, but in some ways, <clears throat> in some ways, it's a good thing, but. Problem is, it's it's hard to distinguish, isn't it, between somebody who's witty enough to do it, like a power, and somebody who's perhaps just having a go at the ref. And uh, sort of uh, audiences don't really want to see that, do they? But it's yeah, it's, no. it's a shame in a way because I I always enjoyed it. I was enjoyed. Well, I guess there there. I mean, you see a guy like uh, Gregory Galchier who's who's very flamboyant and finds a way, yeah. to, uh, you know, bringing out his personality and firing up the crowd, and he kind of take he goes at it at with the referee uh, every now and then that's his personality, I guess. So there is some element, uh, there must be other players out there similar to that as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there's definitely, I mean, that's what the game needs, isn't it? It needs characters, it needs different styles and yeah, in every respect. So yeah, he's a good example. He's definitely somebody who uh, <laughs> has a bit of flamboyance and when he's, when he's having a, a little go at the ref. Yeah, the um, I guess with with the, with the new video, you know, especially when when you're on the uh, in a major event, you've got the video uh, review system that takes away any sort of debate for the most part, doesn't it? 
yeah, it's brilliant. I love it because it, yeah. it's, it takes away the debate and it just, I mean, there's, there's, I'm sure most players would agree. There's times where you call a review and you, then you see it back. And you're like, oh, I've clearly made a, made a bad call. You there. can drop an F bomb. So, don't worry. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's times where a lot of players are thinking that for sure. So, uh, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's interesting because when you're on, when you're in the heat of the battle, you kind of, you always think you're right, but it's, it's a good way of kind of showing you actually sometimes you've got that completely wrong. So it calms you down in a way. There've been a, a few, uh, uh, the last few months anyways, the, the PSA and I think the, the officials uh, have made sort of changes to the, let, I don't know if they've made changes to the rules per se, but they've been, they've been calling things differently a little bit. And that's been, even after the review, uh, a lot of debate at, uh, afterwards whether or not they got it right or wrong. Have you noticed uh, any any of these changes in in the matches yourself? Yeah, well, definitely not not in matches that I've played personally, but watching, I've there's been it seems like there's been a big shift. And we actually in Hong Kong we had a we had our AGM and we we actually raised it with the um, with Lee Drew, the refereeing coordinator, and he he was saying that there's been no changing directive so it's not mm. it's not a conscious thing but it's but it's, it's as you say it's been quite interesting to watch because to be honest i think it's gone too far i think it's yeah. it's almost like they're trying to take the let completely out of the game and there's a lot of situations where you are going to get in the way as two big guys in a small area is going to be a let and it's i don't know the match that springs to mind was probably um Shibagi against joel macon in, in st george's he got some oh really yeah tough, oh, that was terrible tough calls yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it, so, I mean, to me, if as a player, I mean, do you agree? Like, if there's any, if you're interfered with on the way through the ball, and you ask for a let, you should get a let. Yeah, I think it's it's so subjective, isn't it? I mean, I've always been somebody who likes to play the ball as much as possible, but yeah. I think, and and I think the game has moved that way where most players are like that. So quite often, as you say, if you get if there is contact, it will be a let because people are trying to play the ball. But I guess the problem is you, you do have a few players who take advantage of that and, and perhaps try and just engineer lets all the time. But yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's gone too far where it's almost, I can understand the no let sometimes, but it's almost when you get the strokes when, when players have just hit an okay shot. And it's almost, it's a bit, it's a bit too harsh to give a stroke, to lose a rally when you've hit an okay shot. I think that's, that's where I sort of stand on that. Right. And what, what do you think about the, the rule of, uh, now where you're not allowed to open the door uh, to, to complain? Is that, is that a positive step or? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I actually think that's, that's fine. That's as long as all the players know and, yeah. It's not something that you, I don't particularly like seeing players actually come off court. I can understand, I can definitely understand why they've implemented that. I guess where it's difficult is if, if the rest can't hear you, then what do you do? Maybe you yeah. sort of have to have a bit of common sense in that yeah, situation. Yeah. But Yeah, if you know, yeah. like you said, if you know the rule, then if, and you can't hear the referee, just indicate that you can't hear the referee, then open the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it should be simple enough, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, now I've got a, I had a couple of questions from uh, uh, from some listeners, if you don't mind, Tom. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ben Welton uh, would like to ask. Um, he says you're 32 now. Uh, perhaps in the final few years of your career, I'm not sure I agree because you're. I, I'd say you have at least four four good years left. But he says uh, he'd like to know. 
uh, if you've given any thought to uh, beyond the pro uh, playing days. Yeah, well, as you say, I, I, I feel like I've got a few, at least uh, three, three, four good years left in me. Um, but any yeah, niggles, no that, niggles or anything like you, you seem pretty fit and, and healthy. Oh no, yeah. yeah. Touch wood at the moment. I've been, I've been fine for a good couple of years now, which good. is, yeah, I feel, feel good fit and healthy. So yeah. So hopefully that stays the same so, way. So ben, ben might be, you know, maybe a couple of years from now, we might want to revisit this question, but yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Is it something that you've given thought to? We all, I guess we all, regardless of the profession, we always try to look forward a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I definitely have. And there's, and actually funnily enough, the last couple of days, um, it's not necessarily something I will definitely do, but um, I was up in Manchester doing, doing a coaching qualification with quite a few of the other sort of, mm. you know, Daryl Selby, Adrian Waller, Nick Matthew, players like that. So it's just something that, and something to kind of uh, a string to the bow to bow, I guess, just to have yeah. kind of the option if you want to, to go into coaching or um, yeah, I've got, I've got plenty of interest, but it's a difficult one because it's such a unique job and it's somewhat something that's, uh, you know, I've never worked under a boss, I guess, or I've never worked <laughs> in an office. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. to see, to, I don't know whether I'd be able to necessarily move into that sort of side of things, but I'll I tell you right now don't so, work in an office. I'm still in my yeah. office. Yeah. Well, right well, I guess, yeah. From hearing from all my friends as well, who most of them work in, up in, up in London, it's uh, sounds pretty full on. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not sure I'm perhaps that's something I'll move into, but yeah, I, I definitely think about it, put it that way. Yeah. And uh, Stephen Gardner, uh, he's a fellow Canadian. He'd like to know uh, of the the young and up and coming uh, English, uh, the young players coming up. Uh, is there are there any that you see as potentially uh, moving into the top top ten or even number one in the world? Do you see anyone coming through? Um, yeah, I see. There's there's plenty of good players for sure. I mean, it's I think it's hard to say. Well, it's definitely hard to say number one. It's hard to say even top 10 because you don't for me you don't really find out until players kind yeah. of get get stuck into the professional ranks so but there's yeah and I, I don't know the the younger guys too well when I say younger I mean sort of 16 17 year olds but from what I hear there's uh Sam Todd Nick Wall are, are very oh, good players he just won the um, US Open didn't he yeah I saw that yeah and, and yeah I've heard that he's he's a very good player um and then of the slightly older guys, there's um, Charlie Lee's a very very strong player. Um, yeah. And then you've got That's George Parker, Danny's son, is it? It is, yeah, yeah. Danny's son. So, um, yeah, I guess you so, get you you hit with him every now and then. I would imagine. I do, yeah, yeah. I hit, and I've known him obviously a long time. So um, yeah, I get on get on with him, and uh, he's a very talented, sort of very skillful player. Um, so yeah, there's there's plenty of. I mean, George George Parker's doing well at the moment oh, yeah. as well. He's, Declan he's is still, playing well. Exactly, Declan. So there's there's plenty to be um, excited about, and I'm sure, sort of in five years' time, England England will still be pretty strong in the world game. It's just, the problem is Egypt are so strong; they kind of yeah. uh, they're sort of dominating. But that's this that that happens for sure. So I don't. I see plenty of cause for optimism. Put it that way, and there's. As I said, you don't really know until these guys kind of get sort of stuck into the, the may, I guess the major tournaments is when you sort of see when, if and when players will be able to compete at that high level. But there's 
plenty well, of you see it a lot now uh, in the last few major tournaments i mean not only in england but uh in britain uh quite a few uh, top young guy a uh, guy like joel macon a guy that you've played several times recently playing yeah. well george is playing well declan's playing well uh and then uh, a few of the old boys like yourself still uh, playing well so uh, things yeah. bode well I, I think uh you know e egypt obviously still dominating but uh there are more more people and more people who are competing now more guys competing. definitely definitely it seems very open it seems yeah, it's quite exciting. You don't you see plenty of upsets. You see plenty of different nationalities as well. Obviously, you got Diego from Peru and yeah. Miguel from Colombia. You know, you got sort of um, all all the bases covered in some respects. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, uh, I told you I was going to ask you about your golf game. Uh, how how is your golf game, by the way? I I, I shot a eighty seven yesterday. I wasn't very happy with, but. Uh... Oh, blimey. Well, it's, well, it's, I, so to be honest, I've not actually, I've sort of gone, I've taken a bit of a leave of leave of golf. I haven't played for quite a while. I, I went okay. through a stage where I played a lot, but um, yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I've not, not had the chance to get out there, unfortunately. It's, it's, I do enjoy playing, but it's just, I think time and that side of things means that I've not been able to. Right. Now, would, would you, uh, I guess you, you've played a little bit though, who would be your, your dream uh, if you were to choose a foursome for, as, as a squash uh, foursome to go out and play with, who would you, uh, who would you choose to play with? Oh, right. So, so squash players playing yeah. a foursome. Ah, good question. Um, I'd have Shabana in there. I know he plays a bit of golf. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll get, get Shabana in there. Um, I th I, well, I guess I'll get, yeah, I'd like to, I think I'd like to play around a golf with power. I guess he, he'd be a good person. To, <laughs> to, yeah, to I guess he plays, uh, uh, Robert um, Edwards was on the podcast, and he, he mentioned he, uh, he played with uh, JP. They, it was an olive branch, uh, more or less, uh, round. Yeah, well, the them, there right? you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, he's, and he's good mates with Shabana as well, isn't he? So, yeah, 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 they're good buddies. Yeah. They get on. Um, you and and then... Yeah, power, power. It's uh, a good question. The fourth man, maybe. Well, maybe Sel if I go Selby, for. Selby I was going to say, great golfer, isn't yeah, it? I'll, yeah. If we if we're going for a bit of match play, then maybe I'll, I'll go for Daryl because he he can be on my team, and then we can hopefully win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and what about just the general in general uh, golf force? And who who would you uh, outside of squash? Oh yeah, good question. Um, well, I'm a huge, this probably doesn't translate well, but I'm a huge cricket fan. So okay. uh, I'd probably oh, yeah, get a yeah, couple of... I was going to ask you about that. You, you, you like tea, so obviously that, <laughs> some sort of connection there, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little bit of a running joke. But okay. yeah, a bit, a bit of tea and cricket can't yeah. go wrong, can you? So uh, yeah, perhaps I think I'd have to get maybe... Uh, Maybe a couple of the couple of the sort of legendary cricketers in. Maybe oh, I I think I'll get James Anderson in there because he's he's a James very Anderson. well known. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You put me on the spot here. I, I can't think. I can't think. Maybe uh, Ian Poulter. No. Well, I mean, I, I don't mind him, but he, he annoys me a little bit. To be <laughs> no, I'll get Tiger Woods in there for sure. Oh, yeah, I'd have to get Tiger in. Phil Mickelson. I'm sure he'd have plenty of stories, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I don't I don't know for the fourth Jack spot. Nicholas. Yeah, he'd be, the golden he'd be a good man to have. The golden go. bear out, yeah, why not? Yeah, he'd give me a few pointers as well, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, 
Well, Tom, you've been really great with your time. I just want to say thanks again for coming on and uh, I just want to wish you all the best in 2019. Keep up the good form and I hope yeah, to have thank you, you back on again uh, sometime down the road. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for inviting me on. Thank you, Tom. Take care. And uh, Merry Cheers. Christmas to you and your, your family. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you too. Well, thank you very much, Tom. That was a really enjoyable chat. And just want to wish, uh, wish Tom again uh, all the best in the 2019 campaign. Uh, 2018 was a very good one. And just want to wish him uh, continued success uh, going forward. Great squash coming from him last year. And uh, looking forward to uh, 2019 and see if he can uh, build on that. So uh, good luck, Tom. And uh, also just want to wish everyone a very happy holiday season. Uh, good luck with your squash. And remember, to, uh, you know, if you're looking for some inspiration to get back on the court during the holiday season, go back and listen to a few of the episodes here on the, on the, uh, the podcast. Get inspired hit the courts, and work off a bit of that uh, festive cheer that, uh, that you put away during the holidays. So uh, all the best, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Hopefully we get one more of these in before the end of the year. But if not, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, but hopefully we'll talk to you soon uh, before then. Take care now. Goodbye.